0: Welcome everybody, so glad that you're here joining us today. I am Nancy Mangum, and I am the COSIN Digital Equity Project Director, and I'm glad to be here with everybody today for this webinar, Leading with the UDL Mindset. Looks like we have um, lots of great folks joining us from um, around the country today, and glad to have you joining us. I am joined today by um, some wonderful practitioners. I am joined by Holly Doe, the Director of Technology up in um, Maine, and Chris Hagel, the Executive Director of Digital Learning out in Washington. And um, Holly and Chris, you're going to hear lots from them in a little bit, Um, but do you all want to welcome everybody?
1: Sure. Um, hi, everybody. Um, from I work in RSU forty, um, which is in the mid coast of Maine, um, and are just excited to be here today to talk about UDL. Thanks, Holly. Chris.
2: Thanks. Uh, I'm in the Peninsula School District in Gig Harbor, Washington. We're about forty five minutes south of Seattle, a kind of mid sized school district in the state of Washington with about nine thousand kids, and so. We've been on a UDL journey for a while, so I'm really excited to share what we've learned.
0: Wonderful. Thanks, Holly and Chris. And you all are going to hear um, a good bit from them a little bit later on. So, with that, let's get started. So, um, what is uni- universal design for learning? So, as we think about that, you know, I think that um, some of you all probably have been on this UDL journey for a while, maybe now. Um, or some of you are maybe just kind of curious. You hear UDL, you hear the term, and um, you want to know more. Or maybe you've um, been working on it or, or read some things or attended some sessions. Maybe you were at CoSEN and attended some sessions on it, but you are just curious. You want to know more about this. So um, I, we thought it was really important to just kind of start by thinking about what is UDL and why do we actually need UDL? And so I'm going to start with a quick story. And uh The story is about the Air Force, and um, Todd Rose has a great podcast or a a great TED Talk um, that that you can listen to, and I think um, we will put that in the chat for you, so if you want to listen to him talk and tell the story, or if you've ever um, heard heard Todd Rose, you've probably heard of the myth of averages, and so Todd tells the story about um, the Air Force at one point was recruiting pilots and, and pilots had to be the same size, right? There there were certain size, um, height requirements, size requirements for the pilots. And, and that was because for good reason, right? That the pilots needed to be able to reach the instruments and be able to control the plane, right? Because pilot, um, airplanes are very expensive to build. And so they were building them um, for this certain size pilot, right? The pilots that, that were able to have the right arm length, the right wingspan, the right, um, could fit in the cockpit. Well, um, there was a researcher out there who started to begin, began thinking about this and thought, you know what, I don't. we are like leaving out a lot of people from our pool of applicants, from um, potential Air Force pilots because they don't fit this requirement of the right size. And so he went on um, and did research to find out people who are currently pilots, what all of their different height and different specifications, right? And what he found out was actually no one, zero of the current pilots that the Air Force had fit these average um, height and size recommendations and requirements. And so what that led the Air Force to understand was that actually by designing for the average They were designing for no one because no one really was the average and so as you think about that and think about our schools i want you to think about our schools and think about um, our classrooms are we designing just for the average and as you think about that i would love for you to reflect if you want to share in the chat um, where have you experienced the perspective where everyone was treated the same or something was designed equally for everyone? And how did that impact the experience that you had?
3: And Holly and Chris, if you want to, if, if people are sharing in the chat, maybe you want to um, help me um, So we'd love for you to share in the the chat. Or if you all maybe wanna share your, an experience that you've had.
1: I was just thinking, you know, kind of relating to the Air Force, just just the fact that every desk and chair sometimes are the same in classrooms, right? So you walk into a classroom and everything's very uniform. so yes. Yes, often it
0: the chairs are a great example, right? Everything is the same. Maybe maybe I don't fit so well. Maybe I'm shorter and my feet don't actually hit the ground or t- can't touch the ground, right? Um in the chair that I'm given or maybe I'm really tall and my um my legs are. And so uh, we definitely probably experience this um whether we realize it or not in our schools or in just um, daily life in these things. We can also think about our curriculum, right? Or our um, our school is all designed based upon how old you are, right? Not how ready you are. So it's everybody goes to school when they're five. And if you don't meet that cutoff date, you have to wait till the next year. Um, maybe you make it by one day and that makes you really um, more prepared than that child that was won- born one day later, right? Um, so we can probably see a lot of correlations. So where does universal design come in? Well, what the Air Force did was um, it maybe wasn't universal design for learning, but what they did was they universally designed their um, their cockpits and the airplanes. And so they made it a requirement that they would design these airplanes so that they could have instruments that moved or adjustments that the seat could be adjusted so that they that more people were able to become pilots and think about all the people that we might have missed out on who um, all the pilots, if we had kept that old policy of designing for the average, but now it's accessible. So they universally design those cockpits. Um, And so in our schools, when we're thinking about universal design for learning, we're designing for all, not just designing for one. And so UDL helps us to design for all learners. It helps us um, in that. And so, a core belief of UDL is that really variability is the rule, not the exception. So, in thinking about that, there is no average as we design. Everybody is different. There are variables in all of us, and we must design in that way. Right. So, that's the Really, if nothing else, I think we can take that away. Variability is the rule, not the exception. And so when we think about students, students may need to learn in different ways or use different materials or share what they have learned in different ways. But we're always looking to reach those same goals. We all want students to be able to achieve, to master curriculum, but they may have to do it a little bit differently. CAST, C A -S S T. And we'll put a link to the chat in, in um, to this. If really anything related to universal design for learning, CAST is a core, um, is kind of the leader and the person that we all look to when we're thinking about universal design for learning. And CAST gives us this framework here that helps us to um, kind of think of what does UDL mean? So how can I design learning for all my students? And as we look across this, um, we can think about that we need to provide multiple means of engagement, multiple means of representation or how we share information, and then multiple ways for people to um, express what they have learned or their understanding of what they have learned. And so um, as we think about engagement, representation, and action or expression, um, CAST kind of gives us this this framework for helping teachers understand how to design effectively. So I'm curious, where are you experiencing a universal design for learning in your work? If you wanna share in the chat, Can you think of opportunities that you've had where maybe you had an opportunity to learn in in different ways or to express what you know in different ways or have multiple
3: ways to engage with content?
0: All right. And, you know, one of the things that um, hopefully in this webinar, or um, you're both being able to hear what we're saying, but you're also um, just in a small way, you're being able to see what we're saying. I think we, we have the closed captioning turned on there so you can see it. Um, and you can also hopefully get some visuals or some understanding from the, the things that, that you see as well um, on the slides. And so, in that, hopefully, um, multiple ways. And, and later on, this will become a podcast. And so you can listen to this. So if you're, you might be joining us later and listening to this, um, giving you multiple ways to interact. And you're also being able to express um, or share your ideas in the chat. So.
2: all of Yeah, Nancy, there are some examples in the chat that a few of us have put in. Um, some of the examples that we're talking about are sharing information in staff meetings, maybe in different formats. Either that's written text audiobooks videos um being able to choose how you join meetings whether that's you know a google meet or a zoom versus coming in person um nick also mentioned translations closed captioning voice to text those are all um options as well for people to you know learn or attend meetings in their own preferred manner great
0: yeah thanks for sharing so now that our mindset is there and and hopefully we um are kind of maybe a little bit, um, we're all on the same page as we think about UDL. Where does UDL meet technology? Um, Well, I think that most of us probably can see how technology um, plays a role in each one of these three areas that um, we can engage using, we can use technology to help engage um, learners in multiple ways. We can also um, use technology to help represent um, things. Chris, you mentioned in the examples, several different ways, right? Being able to, just being able to um, engage with a meeting via um, Google Meet or dialing in, or actually they're in person, right? That's multiple ways. And the technology allows us to do those things now. Um, or we can represent Um, the what of learning and, and what we're learning in different ways. And as well, we can share what we know in multiple ways using technology, great technology tools that allow us to do this. And so technology really does play a role, whether we are the teacher that is designing lessons that utilize technology, or whether we're those who are in a leadership role and we are actually um, making decisions about what technology is available, the, um, that also plays a big role in UDL, right? So leading with that UDL mindset, you all are all leaders, leaders in your schools, in your districts, um, across your states. And so what do we need to make sure we're doing? Sometimes we think UDL is just for the teachers, And that's really where we want to spend um, the rest of our time today, thinking about in our roles, um, how can we lead with this UDL mindset? So I think there's a couple of key things that you're going to hear Chris and Holly talk about, um, and that maybe hopefully you're experiencing as well, that in order to um, lead with a UDL mindset, everybody needs to have a clear understanding of what universal design for learning is. And so providing professional learning and having conversations about UDL is going to be really important. And I think this is kind of goes without saying, but we can't just provide that professional learning at the beginning and then stop, right? The professional learning is ongoing and we're constantly, um, as our understanding deepens, we can continue to have, to re-engage and to learn more um, or push ourselves more. Also, as a leader, we need to model UDL practices, so we need to model practices, and you're going to hear in just a few minutes um, about how leaders can model those practices, and then always keep the ideas and the framework um, at the forefront of the conversations that you're having. We actually, just as we, um, before we started this this, um, webinar, we were talking about, okay, are we modeling UDL? for our participants. And so just bringing that up, having that conversation um, as leaders um, can really help us in this UDL journey and having that UDL mindset. And so I'd love to um, get in and kind of see here and um, maybe even see some things about how Chris and Holly are leading with this UDL mindset. And so Chris, I know your district has done a lot of work around um, supporting UDL and so I'd love um, for you to to share today how are you all supporting UDL from a district perspective?
2: Sure um so we uh, had the fortune um a few years ago of having an interim superintendent for a while who, called me into his office one day and said, Chris, I don't wanna have a technology department anymore. I said, he said, I want you to go and sit down with the woman that was head of teaching and learning and figure out what the two of you together would create if you merged all your department together. And so um, we have since, um, in the last three or four years now merged together to be the department of learning and innovation. So our technology team sits right next to you our teaching and learning staff, our instructional facilitators, we're all in the same building. Um, our CTE department is here now. Um, so we've had the fortune of being, you know, tightly woven with our instruction team for quite a few years now. Um, about four years ago, three years ago, uh, we took part in a Washington state leadership grant to talk about inclusive practices across the district. And so from a district high level perspective, we took about three years just ensuring that our entire district office leadership team was grounded and understood the foundation of universal design. So we had representatives from our teaching and learning group. Um, our suit all of our assistant superintendents have taken part. Um, we had board members, technology department representatives, and special ed all together going through this training for the last three years. Um, that kind of culminated into last spring bringing in a um kind of internationally known speaker uh trainer on universal design Katie Novak and she's been working since last spring with our principals getting them on board for the eventual plan this fall which was to start having conversations with teachers doing professional development and so we have we started with our or with all of our staff at our kickoff days this year Katie came back for all staff kickoffs and she's led us through Um, kind of trainings on universal design and then we've kind of broken down the some of those guidelines into three smaller areas to focus on this year and so we're focusing on firm goals and making sure that we teach learning objectives in every class um, classroom engagement and how also flexible methods so allowing students to have different ways to um, acquire content or show that they're learning so That's kind of where we've gotten to. We know this is a long journey. We're probably going to be at it for many more years, but um, from a district perspective, that's how we've kind of tackled universal design.
0: Great. Thank you. You know, I think that... um one of the the big things that I heard there is it is definitely across the district, right? The district, it is a district wide. This isn't something that just you're taking on or um, just the teachers are taking on, but that it's really led by all of you all. And um, it sounds like it's, it's a thread running throughout probably most all conversations that that you're having. Um, and so that's great to hear. And I think that that's a big takeaway. One other thing that as you were talking, Chris, I, you know, I, I, I maybe um it goes without saying, but um, equity, you know, you mentioned the word equity and, and I should have um, probably mentioned that earlier on in that this really is an equ- universal design um, allows us to lead with equity, right? Leading with equity because equity is really giving every student what they need or giving every person what they need. And um, I think UDL really does that. And so um, I'm glad that you mentioned that. So um, obviously, Cosin, we're we're focused on technology, and um, so what are some of the technologies that that we can use to support um, learning for all, or, or really help us in our quest um, as we're thinking about UDL? Um, Holly or
1: Chris, Holly, you want to jump in first, or sure, sure, yeah. Um, so. Typically, I look at this, you know, when we're talking about technologies, I I guess we could be talking about software or hardware. Um, I tend to lean towards software first. Um, And um, in the Pelham School District, where I was the director of tech for eight years, uh, we did a lot of work around um, MTSS or multi-tiered systems of support. Is that, I believe Um, with the triangle, you know, where you have, um, you know, all kids are tier one, and then you have your tier two and your tier three. So I really um, can relate this um, to, to that system and what we did there. And, and the fact that, you know, when we looked at software and technologies, we wanted to make sure that we had technologies that addressed all of those tier one students. Um, So one of the examples of that is we were looking for text-to-speech and speech-to-text type tools Um, that we could, although they, you know, really benefited special education students who needed um, pieces read aloud in Google Docs and things like that, um, they really benefited all students. Um, So just kind of ensuring that, you know, we had those technologies across the district. Um, One of the recent ones I've kind of been um, talking with teachers about is, um, and, and it started with special education. We were talking about Bookshare, which is a free tool uh, that districts can take advantage of. Um, but you have to have certain qualifying factors, um, you know, visual impairments or, uh, you know, you can read on the website, but they have specific things that you have to qualify for, for Bookshare. And so we had a teacher who came to me and said, you know, I, I have these fifth and sixth graders. Um, you know, I want, not I, I work with them in reading groups and we do all this type of work, but I really want to have this experience Um, that builds the pleasure of reading, um, but also um, allows kids to sit together in groups and have conversations about books. And so she was really trying to build that comprehension and and these positive sort of book groups. Um, But she knew that her kids were not all the same reading level. Um, And so she said, you know, how can I make sure that every single student in my classroom has access to an audio book? Um, And she was, you know, like teachers are so creative. Um, She was going off on her own. And she, you know, she had her own Audible account and other, you know, things she was trying to do. And I said, well, let me let me think about this, but let's, we can make this work. So we're looking now at, you know, Sora, which I think a lot of people know about, but it's just an online library, it could be any online library of audiobooks and ebooks where students can access those books on their Chromebooks. Um, and then she's got the print books available too. So so kind of, you know, she's removing those barriers um, to those books and to that to that reading experience. And it's just really, you know, I guess, um, it, it makes me feel good. I'm actually gonna be going in on Friday afternoons. I volunteered for the whole month of January, but I kind of want to see this in action. You know, like when you remove those barriers, what what types of things can happen? Um, So we've been doing that and, and, you know, looking at other software like formative assessment tools that, um, you know, not just the game-based ones where kids, you know, are all competing, which I sometimes I'm not a big fan of, but, you know, there are other nice assessment tools where you can lead the students through slides um, and have them interact and, and get feedback immediately, but you can also let kids go through those at their own pace and, you know, kids do differently, and that's what technology can sort of offer: is that those different, you know, abilities to either work at your own pace or, or maybe you need more direct. Um, so, so those are just a couple of things that we've been um, recently kind of playing around with. Great, thank you, Holly. Chris, love for you to share.
2: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Holly talks a, a lot about you know making materials accessible and getting them to students. And I also think a lot about um, how do they show their learning? And, I, you know, over the last few years, I've had some really great opportunities to see some schools that do some really interesting things. You know, know, a student doesn't need to always write a paper to show that they learned or they don't, you know, there are other ways to show that. Um, I've seen examples of, you know, kids that build interactive dioramas using an Arduino and 3D printing or Um, you know, just making amazing audio productions or video productions. And so those are, those are really great to see as, you know, other ways to show that you've learned. And that's kind of a big portion of what UDL is about too. Um, I think in the last maybe three weeks and this week, this week, really, um, I've been thinking a lot about how can AI help? um move forward and allow some things to become more accessible for kids and so a lot of us have seen this week you know the new ai tool chatbot that came out that is just really fascinating around what it can do with text um and so i've i've had a version of that in my you know read it later service for two or three weeks now and you can use that to provide summaries of reading or to translate reading or to provide redo the the passage at a lower reading level so that you can get that um, yeah consume that content so students that need it and so I think some of the things that we're going to see around AI and how we could utilize that as a tool um, in the classroom and a tool for um, UDL is amazing Um, so yeah those are some of the things I've been thinking about.
0: Yeah, right. Huge potential. And think about the, um, it really is a game changer for so many of our students. That that could be huge. Um, and you all who are here with us today, if you have um, technologies or, or tools that you're using, um, share those in the chat because it's um, great to learn. We want to learn alongside, alongside you all as well.
1: Um, Nancy, but, can I just add one thing? Yes, please, Molly. Um, yeah, I just so oh yeah, Nick just posted Read Write for Google. So that that was the one I didn't I didn't refer to it by name, but it is fantastic. Um, no, I think ultimately, like you know, so there's um there's a book out there, and I'll 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 paste it into the chat. It's called Make Learning Personal. And it's all about personalizing learning, but personalizing learning is UDL, really, like, or UDL is personalizing learning. So um, I will paste that into the chat because they talk about a backpack or of sorts for students um, where they sort of build this, like, repertoire of t- tools. And a lot of those are technology tools, um, not always, but... And they put those tools into their backpack and they have tools for representation and they have tools for engagement and they have the tools for presentation. So um, I love that idea of the backpack, but I didn't want to share it without giving credit to um, kind of where it comes from. So I'll go ahead and paste that in.
2: Great. One other that was just mentioned in the chat, Nancy, is one that we use in our district and that's helper bird, which is very similar to read, right? Um, for us, it's been wonderful because we could afford it for the entire district where read-write um, was a little bit more challenging for us. And so HelperBird is great. It has things like immersive reader built in um, and a lot of other accessibility tools. So that is a good one.
0: Thanks for sharing. Yeah, lots of good things coming at us. All right. Anything else there, Holly or Chris? All right. So let's jump on to the next question. Um, so we've talked about district perspective and, and the coherence and that vision across the district. We talked about specific technologies um, that maybe will help us, but what about the systems? Because as a leader, you all are um, probably implementing a lot of different systems. You have systems within your team or systems that, that you're implementing across the districts, but what are some of those things that we can do if we're leading with that UDL mindset that can help us? Holly? Holly?
1: Yeah, I was, um, so so. I did start a new job in July 1st. Um, my family moved back to Maine from New Hampshire. And um, so when I interviewed, I was just thinking about this. When I interviewed for my new job, uh, I walked in and they presented me with the interview questions. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I've never had that. Um, right. I've never had yeah, a piece of paper and I had a pen and I had a little place I could sit. And I could actually kind of think about those questions ahead of the interview. Um, And I think that's an everyday practice, you know, that's how they do things. Um, So I, I was kind of impressed. I'd never been in that situation. So I do that. So the hiring, I think practices you can build in um, kind of that UDL uh, mindset into how you hire and, and everything from how you onboard people to interview people, um, and even post jobs, you know, how, how you make those jobs available um, on your website and through other um, um, places. So, so that's one system um, it, in direction with my actual team that I work with every day, my technology IT staff. We have a nice little um, we have 1800 students in our district. So we have a team of five. Um, so we're really small. And uh, we just started using um, a new ticketing system. And the, one of the things that you know we talked about and that was important was that teachers, it is easy for teachers to submit a ticket if they have an issue. So uh, we built in, um, which all ticketing systems have this, but you don't always think about it as removing a barrier is putting the email in so that the, all they do is email off their issue And sometimes we don't get all the details, but, you know, on our end, we'll fill in the details. We'll work out those things with that person. Um, But also, you know, in choosing a new ticketing system, you kind of need to look at um, the needs of your staff who are using it every day. Um, So the teachers may not see that, but that particular ticketing system had an app that my technicians could put on their phones. And so no matter where they were, they had instant access um, and could make it available on their computer, their phone, or wh- whatever they were doing. So so ticketing is one um, that we are, you know, we've just been looking at recently. And then I would say kind of on a bigger scale, uh, I, I was really pleased to come into the district and see that they had a technology, kind of like Chris talked about, where that fusion of curriculum and technology. Uh, we have a curriculum technology committee. And that committee uh, sits down and they look at uh, requests from teachers that come in for software and hardware. Um, They look at it through that. um, While they don't always know it, it's through that UDL lens and that mindset of, is this going to remove barriers for our students? Um, Is this going to remove barriers for our teachers? Um, and, um, is this something that, that makes sense to put into our classroom? So everything from looking at whether we want to make a change to iPads in kindergarten, um, from Chromebooks to, uh, you know, big software purchases kind of goes and is vetted through that committee. So.
0: Thank you, Holly. If others have systems that you're thinking about, those of you who are joining us today or or ways that you are implementing um, systems to to capture that UDL mindset, um, love for you to share those in the chat. You might also wanna be thinking about questions because we're gonna have a little bit of time at the end here for some Q and A. With Holly and Chris, and so if you're thinking about, um, if you maybe have some questions that that you want to ask them.
3: All right, anything else, Chris or Holly, Will we jump to the next question? I don't think so. All
0: right, okay. So, um, speaking of questions, <laughs> um, Chris, what are you thinking about right now? You know, UDL is. I don't think it's. It's definitely not something that's one and done, right? We know that. It's something that we're constantly continuing on that UDL journey um, to continue to strengthen our UDL mindset. And um, as a technology leader, um, what are you thinking about right now? What are what are some things that are kind of coming to the top of your mind, Chris?
2: Um, sure. So one of the things I've been thinking about for a while now, and, you know, it's it's kind of an evolution in my mind of what does digital equity look like for all students. Um, When we really think about universal design and we think about students having um, choice in the flexible um, means that they acquire content and acquire learning and flexible ways that they can show their learning is our standard of one size fits all devices for every child, really the best model looking forward. Um, We give, we're trying to work towards having students have that ability to choose what works best for them to learn. um, And how does the technology that we offer them or issue to them match that model? So um, this isn't something we've implemented yet. It's just things that we're thinking about and having conversations about, but do we look at a model where, you know, a student has the choice on what type of device that they get. Uh, So instead of the standard model, which we have now, which is every child grades one through 12 gets a Chromebook and they get all the exact same Chromebook. Do we look at a model where they get maybe a choice of a Chromebook or two different types of Chromebooks or a Chromebook and an iPad, or, you know, depending on the student, do we offer them the ability to have a full laptop or, you know, we're in a community where it's possible that they probably may have their own devices that work better than what we provide them at school. So is there a mix of where a kid could, you know, or a student could bring in a Chrome, you know, bring in their own device or use a district Chromebook or choose an iPad or choose a laptop? Um, we're, I'm thinking a lot about it. The logistics behind all of that is immense. The professional development with teachers, you know, it's it's much easier. And this is the way that almost all districts do things. <laughs> if you give the student the same device, you only need to do the professional development one time with teachers. So thinking about what would that look like on a professional development front if students had that choice and the ability to choose. Um, so I think we're it's something we'll have a conversation about. I'm not sure what we're gonna do, but you know, it'll be something where we bring together teachers, administrators, parents, and all sit down and have a conversation about um, is what we're doing the best, or is it are we just kind of going off the Todd Rose? Are we providing a device that we think works for the average student. And I don't know, I, I don't know where it's going to lead us. Um, but it is something we're going to be working on in the next year. So
1: I, I just want to say that totally reminds me of when we used to have when we didn't have Chromebooks one to one in schools years ago, and we were BYOD. All right. And so students were at the high school level, were all allowed to bring in their own devices because we were trying to Uh, use technology. And it's almost like you can like full circle, right? Like BYOD, you know, maybe it's not BYOD, maybe it's, you know, the district's applying it, but you're coming back almost to a place where the emphasis is back on the student, again, removing barriers, where I remember the conversations about having um, a Chromebook, a standard Chromebook in the classroom. And if I look back, and I really look at those conversations, we were talking about teachers' needs. Um, not that teachers' needs aren't you know valid, but um, and we were talking about support needs, right? like we 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 need to support a standard um, be, for our, because we are a limited it team. but um I think it's a really interesting question, um and I think it's really forward thinking.
0: Yes, absolutely, definitely forward thinking. And um I think oftentimes, logistics and um, drive so many of our decisions, right? This is what we can manage. And I'm not saying we have to throw that out the window, but I do think that that UDL mindset um, helps us to think about what are the needs of the learners and how can we best support the needs of all learners um, with that very thinking that everybody is different, that variability in mind um, versus what is easiest for us. So. Thank you both. So, you know, with that, what advice do you all have for other leaders? Other leaders who are sitting in similar roles to you, what advice do you have as you think about this UDL mindset? And I'll, whoever wants to jump in first.
2: I I can go. (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm fortunate that we've in the last few years have merged ourselves together with um, instruction and teaching and learning. And, you know, so many districts, including even my previous district I was in, we we weren't tied into that uh, teaching and learning team as much as we were we are now. Um, I would say, you know, get involved. Like I was never a teacher. I'm, I came with I went to college for computer science. I came up from the purely technical side of um, my role. And so for people like that, and there's a lot of us in these roles across the country, um, get involved in the instructional initiatives, understand what's going on, um, read a book. There's a a really good book that's very simple um, on UDL. It's called the UDL Playbook for School and District Leaders. It kind of just gives you the basics of understanding UDL and how that you can evolve systems and change systems. Um, And then just Ask to be involved, take part in the training, take part in the planning. Um, If you oversee instructional tech, get them involved with the teaching and learning staff so that they're, you know, interwoven and understand what the technology needs and how they change. And um, one of the other things is we're a really big partner with our accessible learning or our accessible tech team. So the people that work from the special ed side, that kind of helps drive some of these same conversations and make sure you're interwoven with them. So I would just say, you know, get in there where you can um, come in with an open mind, be flexible. Um, And like we talked about in the last section, you know, maybe the standard one device for every child isn't the model we need to look at in the future. And so be willing to keep an open mind and look at that and see how you can change your systems.
0: Thank you, Chris. Great advice there. Um, Holly, any other advice that you have?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I I think it's great that, so we have two directors here today, one who comes from the educational back. I think showing those two sides and how um, how critical it is that we bring both those sides, I guess, up as technology leaders. Um, and so I would say um, that, you know, having a full, full implementation in your district, um, at, and I've been in a district where we worked with CAST is really fantastic and I think a really great way to go, but if your district isn't doing that, um, I would just say, you know, dive into it from the perspective of that, that mindset perspective that we're talking about, um, look for the barriers, get into classrooms, um, and and know that, you know, there are things that you can do that may be small, um, may just be within your team, um, but do address those things. I noticed in the chat someone, um, I think it was, um, I think it was Nick Williams said something about finding a way to communicate the importance of cybersecurity. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, now I'm going off in a new direction and thinking about, you know, how could you do that um, with that UDL perspective? Um, so just use that lens. Um, I took walks into classrooms. We had an early release day yesterday, and I was out there and I walked into a classroom and um I got into a conversation instantly with a kindergarten teacher about uh, iPads and Chromebooks. And so they sat me down and they showed me the software they were trying to use for math with students. They showed me how many clicks were involved when a student had to touch that, um, you know, that Chromebook trackpad, um, and how that was really a struggle for these little kids who just what they needed was a touch screen in order to access the software. Um, So, so having those, I didn't, I didn't know that conversation was going to happen, but because I got out into the school, and because I, um, you know, just got into the classroom to have that conversation, it was something I discovered. So I was really happy to do that. The other thing I was thinking about was just, um, just that um, I use design thinking um, in my work. And I, I think design thinking could actually uh, be a useful tool when it comes to breaking down those barriers. So um, really thinking about what's important in the classroom and um, and doing some, uh, the model that I sometimes use is, um, uh, what's it called, um, Innovator's Mindset. Um, and I don't have the link available, but Jill, if you're able to find that Innovator's Mindset, that's a great website and um, I think could be useful in those types of, of things, so.
0: Yeah, I hear, you know, a lot of great things from both of you. And really, if I had to kind of pull out one theme, I think it's get out there, be a part of the conversation, right? Be available and um, just kind of wear that UDL lens, almost as if it was a pair of glasses, right? A lens that we can look through um, kind of in all of our conversations. So um, that's great. Well, Anybody have any questions in the chat? Anybody? Um, I know you all have been sharing some great resources and sharing some ideas in the chat. Do you have any questions for Holly, Chris, or or just for the the group that's here today?
3: I know Chris and Holly have um,
0: shared the the books that that were. Um, helpful to them, so they've shared those links and we've shared, um, CAST has great resources. Um, COSIN has our, with our accessibility documents, those are great um, resources as well too, as um, Chris and Holly both mentioned, um, working with accessibility teams, um, that's also really important.
3: Anything else in the chat there that we should, Uh,
1: There's a question from Nick, what supports people or otherwise are made available for principals and teachers in the buildings, thinking of a district-wide implementation of UDL? So that's a good question for you, Chris.
2: Sure. So so when you look at the UDL guidelines, um, there are a lot of them we tried to break them down this year into just three to focus on this year because this is going to be a multi-year rollout. Um, we brought in a consultant to help us with this. Um, and she helped us build modules for principals to lead their own staff with. And so um, a lot of our work comes from Katie Novak, who's fairly knowledgeable, <laughs> fairly famous, um, tied in with cast around UDL. And so she's the one that has put this together. And so we, We built out lessons for her. Katie built out these lessons for all of our principals so that they can provide them. And then, you know, we've done a a lot of work with our instructional facilitators. We have seven of them in the district. And over the last couple of years, they've really started to move all of their professional development as well to um, universal design. We had a instructional facilitator this week that led our cabinet team on Hour of Code, and she did it in a universally designed manner. So that even, you know, we're just reinforcing UDL everywhere that we can throughout the district. And so, you know, if our instructional leaders can do that and then we can help our principals, then they can help our, their teachers.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like, Chris, your your principals have both some um, asynchronous or module learning. So they're getting professional development and then they also have that that support of Katie and the instructional yep. coaches. OK, mm-hmm. great. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else
3: have any other questions? All right. Well, Holly and Chris, I
0: know um, maybe you can share your contact information in the chat there if um, people want to reach out to you all and ask some more questions to amazing leaders. And um, we're bi-coastal today, right? Maine and uh, Washington, Um, but joining us. And so we're glad to have both of you. And we really appreciate you all and all that you're doing and appreciate you sharing today. Um, Hopefully you'll join us for other um, COSIN webinars and maybe COSIN conference. I know we'll have more um, sessions on UDL at the COSIN conference, which is coming up here very quickly in March. Um, But we wanna thank everybody for joining us today. And we um, also wanna thank our COSIN partners for all of their support. So with that, Um, we will sign off today. We appreciate you taking the time. And again, we hope to see you in March at the COSEN conference. Thank you, Chris and Holly, for all of your work and for sharing with us today. Thank you.